observe something that you can, you can kind of have a sort of an understanding, but you can't just get there because there's this glass. I have run into a glass door before. It didn't smash. My brother has run into a glass door before. It did smash. I have seen cats and dogs run into a glass door. I've seen birds fly into a glass door. I've seen a bird hit my precious Tirana windscreen and chip it many years ago. Glass. You you know, sometimes we need to smash through the glass, don't we? I want you to watch a short video clip about smashing glass. The whole thing just feels wrong and naughty. I just hope that my son does not do that at any other stage in his life. (laughs) Smashing glass. It's something that you just don't do, but that moment where you get the chance to do it, it's like, yeah, wow. Smashing glass, breaking through the glass. This morning, I want us to smash some glass together. I want us to really have a focus on the realities of heaven, to smash through the glass that sometimes is kind of in our way and it ought not be there. We hear about it and we're aware of it and and we have a sense of the realities of heaven, yet sometimes it's not our experience. It's like glass is in the way. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would have ears to hear. Lord, I just ask that our, our hearts would sense your Holy Spirit speaking to us and that we would be encouraged we would be built up that we would be equipped this morning to follow you all the more lord bless uh, your word this morning as it is spoken and lord we trust in you lord help us to smash through some glass and everybody said amen The realities of heaven here on earth, I want to just identify kind of four aspects of the realities of heaven. As we continue uh, throughout the morning, these are the four things that I'd just love you to keep in your mind as as we speak. The Holy Spirit and good works, love and sacrifice, prayer and authority, and expectancy and faith. Luke chapter 4 verse 1 says, very early in the ministry of Jesus, that He was full of the Spirit. And from that point onwards, he just kept doing good works. Kept doing good works. The passage of Scripture that we've uh, been using for this series comes out of Colossians 3 verse 1. And it says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honour at God's right hand. Last week we looked at what it meant to set your sights. And then that leads us to the question, set our sights on... Realities of heaven? What's heaven? Now, heaven is a really great subject and a great topic. And you can go to a good uh, bookstore and find lots of things on heaven. You can go to Kurong 
which is also a good bookstore, and find lots of things about heaven. I've had people come to me and say, when can we hear a message about heaven? Uh, We're not talking about anything except for the context of this verse, the realities of heaven and how it relates to us here on earth. The realities of heaven and how it relates to us here on earth. For our culture these days, I'll put my hand up and say, I don't really think much about heaven. Maybe those who are a bit older, perhaps heaven's more of a thought that you have. But I I can't remember the last time I thought about heaven. Josh, when's the last time you thought about heaven? Mia? Everyone's looking away now. I know he's going to call my name. I've got that look away moment. When was the last time you thought about heaven? As a culture, we don't tend to think about heaven much. On Tuesday, it was a, a privilege to attend a funeral for Andrew's father. And it was so nice to hear over and over and over again that Andrew's father is in heaven, in the arms of Heavenly Father, with Christ. It was beautiful. It was nice. It was repeated in various ways over and over again. It was nice to know that reality of heaven for Andrew's father. Heaven is part of the unseen realm, the unseen kingdom of God. This verse says that heaven is a place where God is. Jesus is at the place of honour, at the place of honour. Now, for thousands of years, spiritual life has been normal. For, for, For thousands of years, the entire population of the world has not had a problem with a God, the idea of a deity. In fact, in 2012, demographers believe that about 84% of the current world population in 2012 still have a fundamental belief in a deity. It's about 6 or 7% that have really gone down an alternative pathway of, of atheism or believing there is just no God or just believing in the good, the force, you know, there's Jedi Knights around the place. But, but essentially, essentially, the majority of our world still believe in some sort of a deity, still have some sort of an understanding of an afterlife, of heaven. And about a third of that 84% are Christian, according to some demographers, 2012. In other words, most of the people in our world still believe in something of heaven. What does heaven mean to you? What does it look like? Because I think to really set our sights on the realities of heaven, we just need to unpack the realities of heaven a little bit, would you agree? It's hard to set our sights on something that it's perhaps difficult to grasp. When I googled heaven and I looked at Google images, these are some of the images that come back. It was a narrow door in the sky. Have you ever just tried to imagine heaven? I end up just with like a mountain, maybe like Mount Everest and clouds and and then I, I kind of, it just gets hazy from there. I don't know why Everest, it, I'm sure it looks nothing like Mount Everest. Uh, I, I don't know why clouds. I have no idea. These images that we have. What about this one? A, a, a gold city and a rainbow, kind of clouds and, and green mountains behind. What image comes to your mind when you think of heaven? What about this one where there's a, a garden path leading up to the sky? And for the gardeners up there, this is really your one. This is... The way to heaven is beautiful smelling and, and organized. And What about the pearly gates? The pearly gates of heaven. Maybe that's the imagery you have. What about a throne room? 
image you have of heaven is this beautiful, magnificent throne room. How does the Bible describe heaven? How does the Bible describe the realities of heaven? Well, one part of the Bible talks about, in, in Isaiah, talks about the train of the robe of God filling the entire temple. I couldn't get a better image than this. This robe is, train is not filling the temple. But if you could imagine that times by infinity, filling the entire temple, that is a picture of heaven. What about Revelation 4, which says that, that, that heaven, the one who sits on the throne, the one who sits in heaven, has this appearance of jasper and ruby, of rainbow that shines around like an emerald around the throne. What about this one in Exodus, where under the feet of the one who was sitting there is like this pavement made of lapis lazuli. Imagine coming home on Valentine's Day. Honey, I've got some lapis for you. I don't think she'd be impressed. But some, some of the scholars will think it's maybe sapphire or, or maybe it's some very rich stone. The, the pavement, the floor, the entire ground is this... Uh, gemstone, bright blue. What about Revelation 21, where the walls of heaven, they're built of jasper. The foundations of the walls are, they're adorned with jewellery. Have, have a look at your, your ring, ladies, if you've got a stone on there. Imagine that stone stuck on the foundations of the church. We're going to take up an offering at the end of the service. We'll leave a container here, and as you walk by, just feel free to take the ring off and leave it there. We'll put those stones to good use. The city was pure gold, clear as glass. Now, last time I saw gold, it wasn't clear. What, 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 what about this? Um, sorry, what does the Bible say heaven is like? What does the Bible uh, talk about when, it, when it's speaking about heaven? It says that, that heaven is this place of new. It says that every tear is wiped away. No more death. No mourning, no crying or pain. You know that pain in your back that you've got? You know that little knee, that, that head, that, you know, no more. No more. Everything is new. Everything is new. Heaven is like a feast. Of, you have a reservation for a feast. In Luke, it talks about people coming from all over the place to take their place in the feast of the kingdom of God. What is heaven like? It's like an all-you-can-eat Buckingham Arms, absolutely everything you ever wanted to eat. And all the food you consume has no calories. <laughs> Completely fat-free, sugar-free, bad-free. It's just good, like the Garden of Eden. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the finest meal you've ever had? The finest banquet. The, just, just think in your mind that, that just that meal where you went, oh, that was just perfect. Imagine that times infinity. But not just that, there's a place for you. What's heaven like? It's like having a place for you at a banquet. But heaven is Jesus. It's a place for us then, but heaven's also a place for us now. Let's just unpack that a little bit. In John 5, Jesus said, guys, I, I only do what I see the Father doing. That's it. I, 
I spend my life doing what I see the Father doing. Where's the Father? He's in heaven. The Father and the realities of heaven. And all Jesus does is whatever His Father has done. And Christ here was on earth. Could that mean that the realities of heaven have a way of being made real and known here on earth? Are you tracking with me? Is there a possibility that, in other words, what Jesus did and the way He acted and what He taught and what He spoke and what He shared about, Jesus calls us to follow Him in that. Does that mean there's a possibility that we can have a place in actually knowing the realities of heaven, uh, having a part in, 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 in seeing the realities of heaven here on earth, here and now, today, in my heart, in my life, in my family, in my workplace, in my school, with people I have contact with? Is there a possibility that heavenly realities could be here and now? on earth. You see, Paul was writing to the Colossians, and this passage of Scripture, our text, is from Colossians. The people um, who lived in this city who Paul was writing to, they were Christians, but they kind of lost their way a bit. Jesus really stopped being the center of everything. Who knows that that's a bit possible every now and again. It just kind of happened, and, and some of these people got caught up with a little bit of Jewish mysticism and, and all sorts of other Greek spirituality that was happening at the time. And Jesus just lost centrality in their walk, in their thinking, in their experience. And so Paul's writing into this situation. He's writing to these people who have lost the centrality of Christ. He's, he's, he's writing to a people who are desperately interested in spiritual things. But they've just forgotten that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven. They've just, they've just lost the way to the fact that Jesus is now risen and He is there at the top of the top. There is nothing else worth worshipping. There is nothing else worth knowing or worth doing. There's no mystics worth pursuing except Christ. Paul is working hard to put Christ back into the centre. You see, many people in Paul's day believed that the spiritual world was the real world. This was just a, a dirty waste of time space, the, the, the real actions to come. And, and there's, a, there's a sense of that. But there's also a sense that when Christ came, He redeemed this sinful world and He's placed us now with realities of heaven so that now we can live our life here as we will live our life in heaven. So, whilst these people who are living at Colossae, they're, they're searching for everything else, they're searching for other ways to live, they're searching for other experiences to have, the whole time Jesus is everything they need. Everything they need or everything they could want is already there in Christ. Chapter 1 contains the reality of heaven, that Jesus is both Saviour and Lord. The Saviour bit is the bit we're, we're pretty good with. It's the Lord bit that becomes difficult, would you agree? We love to be saved, we love to know it, it's assurance and, and, and it means so much to us. We're, we heard this morning about, about the work that Jesus did to save us, but His Lordship, meaning we follow Him, that seems to be the harder bit and that is what Paul is addressing. In fact, Paul opens up his letter of Colossians with this really amazing monologue 
And I'm going to read from Colossians 1, 15 through to 20. This is what the Word of God said. If you've got your Bibles, you're welcome to open up. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through Him, God created everything in the heavenly realm and on earth. He made the things we see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and the authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through Him and for Him. He existed, that is, Jesus existed before anything else and He holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is His body, we are His body. He is the beginning, supreme, over all who rise from the dead. So He is first in everything. For God in all His fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through Him, God reconciled everything to Himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. Now that is called an uppercut of the hugest dimensions to the people who were trying to come up with an alternative, who were trying to create, recreate what Paul has so eloquently written. They were trying to recreate their own way of living, where Christ maybe wasn't in heaven, Christ saved me, but now I just need to continue to do other things so that I can be satisfied. So let's have a basic summary of life. We're born, we live, we die. We, we, we understand life. We, we have an understanding of life that, that things, there's a beginning, there's an end. Some of us live for fun, for pleasure. Some of us live for joy. Some of us live just to survive. Or some of us just work to just make it through. There are lots of different understandings of born. Some people have an understanding that we're created. Others are just saying it's nature and fluke and chance and, and, and just, you know, things working at exactly the right way at exactly the right time so that I can be exactly here and now. Others say it's an ev- evolutionary process. And then die. Some people just say, yeah, that's the end. I die and that's it. I'm in the ground, I'm done. Others believe there's somewhere else they're going. Some believe that they're going to come back to earth again as something, hopefully someone. 84% believe something around this area. But for the Christian, Paul's saying that Jesus is everything, that we were created for Jesus, that we were called to live for Jesus, and that we're called to die for Jesus. Paul resets everything and says it's all about Christ. Every question you have, the answer is Jesus. What's the, what's the question? Listen, don't worry about the question. Jesus. Kids, kids club. So sometimes when we lose sight of Jesus, we, we, we forget that we were born for Him. We, we can find ourselves losing our peace, losing the peace in our minds and our hearts. We can find trouble. When, when Jesus isn't at the center, we can go one or two ways. One way is that we simply focus on doing our best in the here and now. We're doing our best to ensure that the next part of 
this life, the eternal part of our life, is secured and taken care of. We're simply living for what's ahead. Jesus becomes a door. This would be Jesus as Saviour, but not as Lord. We're busy doing our best. We're overcoming our troubles by doing our best. We're doing lots of good things. We're helping. We're busy accumulating wealth for the next generation, but we're not passing on to them any love or heritage of Christ. We're, we're, we're doing so much good things. Our attitude but our, and our actions, though, have lost the realities of heaven. It's simply become about us doing our best. Somehow we, we just lost our real and genuine, authentic interest in Christ. We haven't been able to maintain our sights on the realities of heaven on Him. The doorway is just to eternity. There's lots of other things that are more interesting right now. Perhaps the other way some people go is, is that when they don't focus on Christ, is they, they simply just want to enjoy life now. They're not even thinking about the future. The future will just come when it's ready. I, I've, I just want to get what I can out of life. I just want to live life to the fullest. I want to, you know, jump off buildings and parachute off and have experiences and Actually, I really love to do that, to be honest. Um, I, I just, I, you know, I, I just want to experience, I just want to do things. I just want to live my life as much as I can before the end. You know, last night, Beck and I went to the Fringe. We, we spent about 75 minutes getting ready and getting there for a 60-minute show, of which 40 minutes we were waiting in a line. And we weren't the only ones. There were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in the city waiting in lines. People will do whatever they have to do when they want to do something. Rain or shine, injury or not, sickness or not, people will wait in I hate waiting in lines. I just hate waiting in lines. I, I tried a little trick. There was a bit of a line that was a bit shorter. I just kind of moseyed up there. I said, but is this the line? He looked at me and said, nah, man, it's over there. I said, yeah, okay, all right. No chance for trying to sneak in there halfway through, sent to the back of the line. You know, I sat on two planks of wood for 60 minutes, about that wide. This behind is not built for that. I was sore when I got up. I was a bit sore. You know how you're sitting on a chair that's not comfortable and you get, oh, but I'd do it again. I'd do it again. I, I would do it again. You see, we do the things we want to do without hesitation. But just think about your own life. When was the last time you gave 60 minutes to something of the Lord? I mean, isn't the realities of heaven and Christ and, and Him so much more than a fringe show? I mean, when was the last time you spent 75 minutes preparing to come to church, preparing your heart, maybe in prayer, maybe reading the Word? When, when was the last time that happened? The realities of heaven. You see, for sometimes, it, it's, it, in, in our life, it's, it's not just about a tick box of time. You know, yes, Lord, I've spent time with you. I'm talking about an attitude and a desire and a passion to know Him. Can you ever reach the end of that? Can you ever reach a place where you're satisfied? Can you ever reach a place where you think, yeah, I've, I've got enough of God today, now I'm moving on? Is, does that ever happen? 
Can we ever really say that? Because sometimes my actions look like that. The way I organize my life really does look like that. It really does. So what did Jesus do? Well, for Christ, the realities of heaven was about doing the will of God, was about bringing the will of God to earth. To follow Him, to live like Jesus means now we just have to believe. Heaven is assured. That's the good news. But it also means to follow Him. But to follow Him means we need to tap into the realities of heaven. We need to tap into what Jesus was tapping into so that we can follow Him with fullness. We need to align our will and our thoughts and our hearts and our actions with the realities of heaven and the life of Christ. So that brings us to our four points. The first point is the Spirit and good works. In Colossians it says, I ask God to fill you with wisdom and understanding the Holy Spirit gives. Then your lives will please the Lord. This is not about pleasing the Lord for salvation. This is about pleasing the Lord for following Him. This is not about pleasing the Lord for Saviour. This is about pleasing the Lord in His Lordship. Jesus is Saviour and Lord. So Paul's saying, I'm asking, I'm praying for you. So Lord, please fill these people with wisdom and understanding the Holy Spirit gives. Then your lives will please the Lord. You will do every kind of good work and you will know more about God. I would encourage you this week, one thing you can do is to pray to God, Lord, please give me wisdom and understanding. Make that a prayer this week. This week, every day when you wake up for five days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, the first thing that comes out of your mouth is not, is the coffee machine on. The first thing that comes out of your mouth is, Lord, I'm praying for wisdom and understanding that the Holy Spirit brings. Because when you pray like that, something begins to happen in your heart and mind. You begin to take on the realities of heaven and you bring them down into your place where you are on earth. The reality of heaven begins to invade earth through you as you take these steps, as you enter into the way Jesus lived and as you live like Him. So the realities of heaven are here on earth. I reckon that's an easy thing to do. Who doesn't want wisdom? Who doesn't want understanding? Because maybe, just maybe, on that day, you will come across a situation where you've got a chance to speak life into a place where there is death. Maybe, maybe, just, maybe there's just a situation where you've got a chance to observe something and, and act and do something. But you're not on your own. You, you've, you've called on the Lord. You've said, let me have wisdom, understanding, the Holy Spirit brings so that I can be effective for you that I can follow Christ in this situation and in this place. How much could God use you if you were thinking like that? What would that do to your day? Your day is just not a day where you're just at work, earning another buck, ticking a box. No, your day is an opportunity where God will use you with the wisdom that He's given you, with the understanding that He's given with you to make a difference for the kingdom. You could reach your children, you could reach your spouse, you could reach your parents, your neighbours, your work colleagues. When was the last time you prayed for wisdom and understanding for your spouse? As in, Lord, help me understand my spouse. No. When was the last time you asked that for your children? Lord, this situation's so tricky. I can't do it on my own. I've had a try and it just doesn't work. It's like every time I engage with my child, I push them further away. Lord, I need your wisdom and understanding. What would happen if we did that? What would happen? You see, the reality of heaven requires us to follow Him. 
which means to follow Him, we're doing good works like Him, which means we need the wisdom and understanding of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you feel stuck. Maybe you feel like, yeah, I know what you're saying, man, but I just always feel stuck. It's like glasses in the way. It's like I can see what I should be doing. I can see how I ought to be living. I can see how I ought to be thinking, but I just can't push through. Can I say prayer? Can I encourage you to pray with someone? Find someone and say, listen, what, what, what that, that word this morning, what you know, Paul was writing, and that, that just really spoke to me. I, I just want prayer for that. I, I want to break through that glass today. I do not want that glass to remain. I want to get like a rock, a spiritual rock, and I want to throw it through that glass, and I want to smash it, because I'm called to follow Christ. I need wisdom and understanding that comes with Him. The second is love and sacrifice. Ephesians 5 says, live a life filled with love. I like that bit of the verse. Following the examples of Christ. I'm not so sure about that bit. He loved us and offered Himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Love and sacrifice. Assess your life. Assess your life. Love and sacrifice. Is it present in your life? The love bit, yes, but often with love, almost always with love, in fact, almost all, in fact, all the time with love, sacrifice is connected. Is there evidence of sacrifice in your life? Because the moment you think, yeah, I've sacrificed enough, that's when God comes and taps and says, you know what, it's time to go again. It's, it's time to step into a new reality of heaven. It, you know, this, this place here, this, this needs love and sacrifice. And, and remember that you called me Lord and you're following me. So it's going, to take, it's going to take some sacrifice. You haven't reached the end of love and sacrifice. And we know that from the example of Christ. His love, His sacrifice for us. That's a reality of heaven. Jesus only did what He saw the Father doing. That is the reality of heaven, love and sacrifice. Therefore, if we're following Christ and calling Him Lord, guess what is demanded of us? To love and to sacrifice. We're at number three, prayer and authority. You will know this prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I don't do much King James and New King James anymore, but that prayer is stuck in my head in the King James. <laughs> I, I just can't get into it in any other version. I'm just a bit stuck there. Hallowed be his name. The reality of heaven is that His name is hallowed, His name is holy, His name is powerful, His name has authority. By His Word, all things were created at His Word. There is power and authority in the name of Jesus. There is power and authority when we call out to Him. In fact, Jesus knew it so well that He said, you know what, the way things are in heaven, may they be here on earth. What a prayer. Are we followers of Christ? That's our prayer, isn't it? Everything we do should be aligning the realities of heaven, the kingdom of God, with what happens here. And you know what? It needs to start with me and my life first. I need to be living it and entering into it and taking steps. And it's through that process that God will send people across my path. God will place me in situations where the kingdom can advance because I've set my heart on it. I've prayed the prayer and I'm relying on His authority to be at work. And I have a little amen. Are we a church that's relying on His authority? Are we a church that's relying on the fact that the realities of heaven ought to be here on earth through us? 
But you know, sometimes we feel a bit stuck, don't we? It's like glass. We know what heaven should, we, we, know, we know this. I mean, some people here have heard a million sermons along this line. But sometimes we can feel stuck, we can see it, we know what we should do, but it's like glass is in the way and we keep running into it and it's just too hard to break. Well, I wonder if today is a chance to grab a rock and throw it through that glass and break it down through prayer and taking the authority that Jesus has given us. Pray for those who you love and care for. Pray for those who you're reaching out for. Pray that the people who don't yet know Christ, whom He's put around you, pray for their salvation. Take the opportunity that heaven would have its way on earth and let it be in their lives. Are you praying? Are you smashing some glass? The final one is expectancy and faith. This is from John chapter 14. I tell you the truth, Jesus speaking, anyone who believes in me. Now, not Nev. We all know Nev's pretty close to the Lord. Heather, Heather's close to the Lord. Anyone means not just Nev and Heather, it means us, anyone. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. What is your expectation? What are you expecting to do this afternoon? Who's just got a nap on their mind after lunch? I'm not against the nap. The Sunday afternoon nap is a blessed nap. There's extra blessing in the Sunday sleep. It's a special rejuvenating sleep. I'm not here talking about works, as in work, as in hard work. I'm talking about the works of Christ. I'm talking about the works of Christ that He was compelled to do because that's the realities of heaven that He brought to earth. These aren't really works for us. This is us stepping into what Christ has called us to do so that we might take ground with authority, so that we might begin to think before it even happens and have an expectation of heaven coming to earth even before we've seen it. Isn't that faith? What are you believing for? What are you hoping for? What are your expectations? When you come here to church on a Sunday, what's your expectation? Oh, Lord, just hope He finishes by 11.30. Please, Lord. Lord, I pray that one day the Blend 43 will be retired and we'll have real coffee. Lord, I pray that one day the whole place will be air-conditioned and possums will be banished forever. What are your expectations and hopes for here, for the church? When you come into the house of God, what are you expecting? What are you hoping for? How has your faith already taken you into that place of heaven before you've even gotten here? Or are you just sitting there, just taking notes and then just shelving them? And come back next week and take more notes and shelve them. I've got nothing against notes, I've got nothing against shelves. But what is your expectation and hope? What, 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 what are, what are, how are you exercising faith before you even get to church? After you've left church and you're on the way home and you've got that nice little bit of lunch, you know, maybe a bit of cucumber and some dip and then some sleep, what can you say to your Heavenly Father? Lord, this week... I, I'm, I'm believing for this. My expectation is this high. My, 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 my expectation is high because you've called me to bring the realities of heaven to this world. You've called me to follow you and you only did what the Father did. And so I've got to step into that. And so Jesus, where you saw an opportunity, where you saw something, you took it. 
You took it with tax collectors. You took it with those who were shunned away by society. You took it with the poorest of the poor and the richest of the rich. Jesus, when you had a chance to speak to the Pharisees and people who were really smart and intelligent and had it all together, you took it. You went for it, Jesus. I want to do that. I don't just want to do what I'm doing because that's what I'm doing. I want to do what you've called me to do, which is to see the realities of heaven become in this place in Noah's earth. What is your hope and expectation? Here's the biggest danger for Christians. We are really fearful that when we pray and when we hope and when we believe and it doesn't happen, it can rattle our faith. And so sometimes it's safer for the Christian to not expect, to not believe. It's much safer. Heaps safer. There's nothing more daunting And when you're the pastor and someone comes out for prayer and you pray for healing and it just appears there's nothing happening. Have you have you done that before? People here, you've you've prayed for healing. I mean, Paul prayed, he said, he said, you know what? This thing that I've got, I I just I prayed, it hasn't gone away. And last week we were reminded that the grace of God is sufficient. Yet some of us, we can't take that. So you know what we do? We just stop expecting. We stop hoping. We stop exercising our faith because we just know that, you know what? It might not happen. I don't want to take a chance. I don't want to take a risk. That's not the realities of heaven. That's that's not what happens in heaven. I mean, would you create a universe knowing that it would cost your son? I don't think I would. In fact, I, I, I wouldn't. God did. God did. God had the greatest expectation that through the work of His Son, intervening into our situation and our sinfulness, that some might repent and turn to Him. And then not just turn and be saved, but follow and proclaim the glory of God by bringing the realities of heaven into our now, into our world, into our place, into our space. very dangerous for Christians to stop expecting, to stop hoping. I am believing with everything that I've got that people will continue to get saved and they will be sitting here in these chairs, worshipping the Lord and loving Him and being part of a community of believers where they're encouraged and supported and they're able to encourage and they're able to support. And if they don't sit here, as long as they're sitting somewhere, that's good enough for me. What's your hope and expectation? Are you hoping and expecting those people in your family or your neighbors or the people you work with? Are you really hoping that they'll be sitting here? Are you really hoping that they too will experience the realities of heaven? Because I can tell you this now, that heaven's placed you there so that you might be just that point where you can share about the work of Jesus, about how He is Savior and Lord, about how He loved, He gave His life, He sacrificed everything so that we could come freely, and not just freely, even while we were, were, were not even interested in Christ, even while we didn't want a bar of Christ, He died for us anyway, so that we might know Him. The realities of heaven is that we receive power to be witnesses. It has come to my experience and understanding That where you don't witness, the power dries up. Where the witness no longer takes place, 
the power seems to not be as powerful anymore. It's my experience, it's my contention, it's my argument that when you step into witness, then the power of God has the opportunity to work in and through your life. This is an absolute key for the normal Christian life, that we would have witness at the forefront. It's not our work, it's not things that we're creating, it's, it's witness. It's witnessing what Jesus has done. It's witnessing the love of Father God. And in that process, we witness the power of the Holy Spirit through us and in us. Where witness slips away, where witness becomes secondary, it is my contention that the power of God somehow slips away a bit too. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. It's God's heart that all would come to know. It's His heart. This is the reality of heaven. The reality of heaven is that, is that we would carry on the work of witnessing so that all might know Jesus. That's the realities of heaven. That's what we're to set our sights on. On Wednesday night, there's the Franklin Graham. Not many events come to Adelaide where there's a single focus, a single intention, a lot of coins spent to put on an event that is palatable and attractive to anyone. You know, you might think twice about inviting someone here to church. A bit too churchy sometimes, a bit too Christian-y. This event is not that. This event is set up so that the lost, so that those who have something happening in their heart, there's a stirring in their heart, that they will come to this moment where they'll be presented with the gospel in a way that they can respond and bow the knee and repent and know God's healing power at work in their heart and never be the same again. Never be the same again. If you know someone, if you've been praying for someone, if you've been hoping for someone, if you have loved someone, if you have sacrificed for someone, can I encourage you that this is the moment where you can take some courage and some boldness and say, hey, would you come with me on Wednesday night? Take a chance. See what happens. You just never know. Because the realities of heaven will have the opportunity to come to earth in that moment. We're going to close with a video clip about smashing through glass. This video clip is the final prayer from a very encouraging film called The War Room. It's the prayer of that awesome grandma and she just fires up and just lets it happen. In fact, it's almost like she's on a different planet. It's almost like her thinking is, is so far from this reality that I think it's heaven's reality. In fact, what she's doing is as she prays this prayer, she's taking the reality of heaven and everything that Jesus has done. He's now seated in the place of honor at the right hand of the Father. And now Jesus has entrusted us with the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses until the end of the age. And she prays the prayer like she's in heaven. She, she's, she's on earth, but she's praying that prayer like she's there, like heaven is there where she is. She's smashing glass all over the place. In, 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 in faith, she's breaking down walls and barriers. She's believing and hoping and expecting for things to happen. She's exercising faith. 
this week, would you exercise some faith? At the end of the video clip, I trust that you would be greatly encouraged that the realities of heaven are available here and now. In fact, more than that, we're called by following Jesus to bring those realities to earth. God bless you. This is good news. Let's be blessed by this prayer. Thank you. You've done it again, Lord. You've done it again. You are good and you are mighty and you are merciful. And you keep taking care of me when I don't deserve it. Praise you, Jesus. You are Lord. Give me another one, Lord. Guide me to who you want me to help. Raise up more that will call upon your name. Raise up those that love you and seek you and trust you. Raise them up, Lord, raise them up. Lord, we need a generation of believers who are not ashamed of the gospel. We need an army of believers, Lord, that hate to be lukewarm and will stand on your word above all else. Raise them up, Lord, raise them up. I pray for unity among those that love you. I pray that you open their eyes so that they can see your truth, Lord. I pray for your hand of protection and guidance. Raise up a generation, Lord, that will take light into this world, that will not compromise when under pressure, that will not cower, Lord, when others fall away. Raise them up, Lord, that they will proclaim that there is salvation in the name of Jesus Christ. Raise up warriors, Lord, who will fight on their knees who will worship you with their whole hearts, Lord. Lord, call us to battle that we may proclaim you King of kings and Lord of lords. I pray these things with all my heart. Raise them up, Lord, raise them up.